from ABC7 New York, this is Eyewitness News Extra Time. And good evening again, everyone. Welcome to this edition of Eyewitness News Extra Time. I'm Bill Vitter. A huge debate and tussle over restaurant tipping on the news menu tonight. The debate involves restaurant owners and workers and the New York State Legislature. There's a proposal to force owners to raise workers' wages to the minimum wage. Right now, by the way, it's lower than that because workers get tips that supposedly level the playing field. But many workers say nothing's been leveled at all. Owners say raising the minimum wage will be unfair to them. With the debate, here's Reagan Meggie. The prostitution around, the people, you know, stealing and motorcycles and all that stuff. Do you think they want to wear the bus? Erica Zunia isn't pulling any punches when it comes to a proposed bill in Albany that will raise the minimum wage for service workers like her. Wouldn't it be better to get $16? It would be great, but I don't think so will happen. Why don't you think it's going to happen? I know the story, and besides, New York is broke, honey. The bill, co-sponsored by Assemblymember Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas, raises the service worker standard of $10.65 an hour to the state's minimum wage of $16 an hour over the course of five years. I want to be very clear, this does not eliminate tipping. But it would eliminate the tip credit, which is a $5.35 differential employers must pay to workers if they don't earn $16 an hour. New York City Hospitality Alliance Executive Director Andrew Riggi explains this tip credit is important. All tipped workers at restaurants are earning at least the full minimum wage, but the tip credit system has allowed them to earn much more. I like tipping because it gives me a chance to say thank you. I think it's sort of vital. I think it'll work out better for people. Do I see it happening? Not really. The proposed legislation would also offer a loan program to help restaurants make ends meet. It'll be a forgivable loan if they're able to utilize that funding to, you know, create a business plan or adjust menu prices. Maybe they can give a loan to the owners but in some way they had to pay it. The proposed bill to increase minimum wage for service workers is in committee right now, and it will be months before a decision is made. In Jackson Heights, Queens, Reagan Meggie, Channel 7 Eyewitness News. So what to do about this? You know, many city restaurant owners contend that eliminating New York's tip credit will lead to higher menu prices and even lost jobs. But supporters for changing it counter that the current system serves up inequities among workers, serves up pun intended. Joining us now with more on the on all this, the co-sponsor of this bill, Assemblywoman Jessica Gonzalez Rojas. And Assemblywoman, welcome to our show and thank you for joining us. Thank you, Bill, for having me. Uh, you know what? This has been a debate in one form or another for a long time. Uh, where does it go? Where do you want it to go? And what do you tell people who say, hey, I'm worried, they let the yeah. person who owns it say, I'm worried that we're spending too much money already. Well, your team went out to my district in Jackson Heights, where yep. we have the best restaurants in New York, <laughs> and I support them all. Um, but the one thing I want to underscore is that we just came out of a big fight last year out of the budget, and we fought, fought for a minimum wage increase for all workers. And time and time again, restaurant workers get left behind. So right now, the sub-minimum wage for restaurant workers is $10.65. What this bill would do is move restaurant workers out of that sub minimum wage category to make at least the minimum wage in the New York State um, with tips on top. 
Now, as was mentioned, we do have a, a restaurant recovery program, loan program that can assist restaurants in making ends meet. But the important thing to know is that wage theft is rampant across the state. In fact, between 2017 and 2021, there were 13,000 cases of wage theft in New York State restaurants, and that meant $52 million that were stolen from workers that were not getting that wage credit, that tipped credit, when the restaurants were responsible for doing yeah. so. So this will level the paying field. It will actually make it easier for restaurant owners to just pay everyone a one fair wage, the minimum wage, and and then tips are on top, and that's what the workers will earn. It also allows for tip sharing from the front of the house to the back of the house, which creates greater equanimity in the restaurant industry. Yeah, and if if, if you're if you're a restaurant owner, it's a weird feeling to give someone less than minimum wage. I would assume for many of them, right? In fact, I talked to restaurant owners that are already paying above minimum wage because there's been such an exodus of workers uh, after COVID that they've had to pay the more money in order to attract more workers. In fact, there's a restaurant in my district that's a one fair wage restaurant uh, called the Queensboro. They're a proud advocate of the bill and they proudly pay their workers already a minimum wage with tips on top. Right, and this so is for, I think they so, could do the right thing, others can as well. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. This is for, just to make it clear, it's not for the like the, the, the coffee part place. It's This is for restaurants where you go in, sit down, have a meal, right? Yes, these are for the restaurant workers, the servers. Got it, okay. Um, I, I think a lot of people are, are shocked anyway when they look at bills and the cost of going out to dinner these days. And mm -hmm. COVID made these things go up because people wanted to get back the money they lost. And I get yes. that, I understand that. But it's already very expensive for most people to go out and eat anymore. Yes, yes. Yeah, no, I understand. And inflation has been uh, part of that process and why those those uh, menu items have gone up. Okay. Um, again, what we'll see though is wor workers making earning more money they put that money right back into the community. I'm someone who doesn't cook, so I love my restaurants. I will always support my <laughs> restaurants. And I still see that they're they're thriving. And actually states like California, Oregon, uh, Washington State, Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, they don't have a sub-minimum wage. They have the minimum wage. And those restaurants are doing well. In fact, small businesses in those states are doing well. And tipping averages have not decreased. In fact, have gone up. So we look at stats. We look at data, it shows that we can yeah. do this and we should do this over time to allow restaurants to adjust. I think we just made some news, you know, the breaking news Assemblywoman Jessica Gonzalez Rojas says she can't cook very well and she doesn't like <laughs> it. Um, one, one, one quick final question, Assemblywoman. Uh, what are the odds of this passing? Uh, well, there's a lot of momentum. Again, we came out of a huge minimum wage fight last year that was successful. Um, we're continuing to advocate. Unfortunately, these restaurant workers were left behind, as well as incarcerated people and people with severe disabilities. They are the ones that earn a sub-minimum wage, and we have to get folks up to an equitable standard. So there's a lot of momentum. We have folks up here in Albany advocating as we speak. Um, so I feel really good. It's in the Labor Committee right okay. now, both in the Senate and the Assembly. All right, keep us posted, because if you hear something big, we want to cover this again. Assemblywoman Jessica Gonzalez-Rojas, thank you for joining us tonight. Appreciate it. Thank you so much, Phil. Good to see you again. As we continue with I Want to Do's Extra Time, doctored images of a woman named Taylor Swift. Maybe you've heard of her. They're now igniting a firestorm and setting off alarms. We take a deeper dive into fake images of real people and the company that can spot them. People who disappear without a trace. Where is she? 
The most notorious murder cases in New York. Pure evil. And the most devious killers. There's a Hannibal Lecter feel to him. For chilling true crime stories, follow the True Crime NYC podcast wherever you listen. We're going to play a Beatles song, I think, Jeffrey. Guess what it's going to be called? Uh, Yellow Submarine. No, that would be good, too. But Here Comes the Sun, I think, is, okay. is what people really yeah. want to happen. And that's not going to happen until a weekend, so don't start playing it just yet. But um, there could be a little bit of sun on Thursday if we're uh, lucky. Yeah, 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 it doesn't look too good. It's going to be in short supply the next couple of days. We've had a lot of rain lately. That's why I said Yellow Submarine. You needed that to navigate around and all this rainfall. Uh, the good news is the parade of storms has pretty much stopped, but we still do have the cloud cover to deal with during the next several days. 37 right now in the city, a north wind coming at about 6 miles per hour. High on the day, only 40. And the low is your current temperature of 37. You had a little bit of rain and wet snow across parts of the area early this morning. Just a little dusting, a little coating well north and west of New York City. in the highest elevations in the city itself was just mainly in the form of some light rain, mainly during the pre-dawn hours. Today's high of 40, right on target for this time of the year. The average is 40. The record 69 in the state set back in 2002, way back in 1873. Got all the way down to zero. Sun going down 509 these days and rising at 709. And look at the rainfall that we've had uh, this month as we close it out. 5.28 inches of rainfall so far this January, nearly two inches above normal. Speaking of above normal, tides are running a little bit high. We came off of that full moon a few days ago, and we've had an onshore flow. And that means Ocean County, New Jersey, the potential for up to a half a foot of inundation during the high tide cycles, basically during the next 24 hours, this coastal flood advisory there until 6 p.m. on Tuesday. So some minor splash over in vulnerable spots. Again, up to a half a foot of inundation is not too terrible. 39 at Newark right now, 37 at uh, LaGuardia and JFK. You're talking about numbers closer to the freezing mark and you'll fall well down into the 20s in those normally colder spots. Uh, north and West Newburgh right now, 34. Same deal at Poughkeepsie, 36 on the island at Islip, 38 down the shore at Belmar. Our storm system from over the weekend exiting off to the east, but still impacting eastern New England with a little bit of snow shower activity and even a couple of flurries trying to work their way onto eastern Long Island. Doubtful as to whether a lot of this is reaching the ground, but I guess don't be shocked if you see a snowflake or two out by the Twin Forks during the next hour or two. So overnight tonight, we're dropping down to around the freezing mark in the city. We're talking about 20s north and west during the day tomorrow. A lot of clouds out there. Clouds definitely winning out over sunshine. Your best chance at brighter skies for a few hours hours would be north and east of New York City and it's going to be cool tomorrow too. Temperatures only stay in the middle and upper 30s. Wednesday more clouds around. Clipper system exits the coast well off to our south. We don't get any rain or snow from it but the clouds kind of stick around. Thursday we might get sunshine for a few hours before clouds increase yet again ahead of our next weather maker and that can bring a shower in here Thursday night into Friday. Partly to mostly cloudy. Brisk and chilly tonight. We're down to about 31. More clouds than sun. Chilly tomorrow. That high getting up to about 38. Mainly cloudy tomorrow night down to 32. Here's your AccuWeather 7-day forecast. More clouds again on Wednesday, 40. What's new? Some sun and then more clouds on Thursday, 48. Could be a shower Thursday night into early Friday for Groundhog Day, 44 Friday. And then cooler, cooling off but brighter, ironically, as we head into the weekend. Lee has an update tonight at 11. Bill, back over to you. Okay, but when it does come out, we're going to sing Here Comes the Sun together. Oh, yes. If we recognize it by that point. Pro I mean, yeah. I'm probably offline, too, because the boss won't like that. Yeah, that's right. Thank you, Jeff. All righty. And as we continue with Iowa's News Extra Time, a solution to our doggone mystery. We're going to talk to the scientists who may have finally figured out why dogs wag their tails.
People have always assumed that dogs wag their tails because they're happy. But now some animal researchers say there may be a very different reason to that. In fact, these researchers say it may be because it actually makes humans happy, the tail wag. Researchers studied wolves and dogs and they found wolves hardly ever wag their tails. But when dogs do it, people react in a positive way. Like you see your dog wag his tail or her tail and you go have pet them, right? Joining us now to discuss this is the author of this study. We searched long and hard for her, and her name is Taylor Hirsch. She is a postdoctoral researcher at the Marine Mammal Institute of Oregon State University in Corvallis, Oregon. Taylor, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Right, so what made you, first before we get into the weeds on this, what made you decide that this was worthy of research? So two things, our, our research team of four people, we are all massive dog lovers. Uh -huh. So uh, we study animal communication in general and dogs are everywhere. So we've always been in love with them and fascinated by them. But our research group also studies rhythm in animal communication. And so it started with conversations about how dog tail wagging looks very rhythmic. And when we tried to understand whether other researchers had really investigated that rhythm, that kind of started this us down this path. Wow. Well, that's, that's interesting. I'm going to say, before we get into it again, I talk as a dog owner myself, I come home after midnight, right? Working in this, this long night shift and starting early in the day. I come home. My dog is sleeping, usually on my side of the bed or on the couch, and he wags his tail. And I think he couldn't be happy. He's just he's sleeping. So I pet him and he sort of stops wagging his tail. I always wondered, is he happy really? Is that happening? And it turns out that your research is showing, no, he's not happy to see you. He just wants some attention to go back to sleep. So I'm not <laughs> wrong about this, right? Well, so you're probably right that he is almost certainly happy that you're home and that you're there to give him some attention. I think what our study showed is that dogs will actually wag their tails in many different types of situations. Mm. So they definitely do wag their tails when they're happy, but they'll also just wag their tails sort of when they're excited or feeling strong emotions in any situation. Well, so that could be thing. if they're intimidated. I, I yeah, exactly. Uh, is tail wagging <laughs> kind of part of evolution? Yeah, so the thing that's really interesting is that wolves, which are dogs' closest relatives, yeah. they wag their tails, but not nearly as much and not in as many different types of situations. Whereas dogs wag their tails almost constantly. You know, they wag their tails when they say people or other yeah. dogs or fans or plastic bags. And so we think something must have happened during the domestication process, you know, throughout our shared evolutionary history with dogs to lead to this behavioral change. If they had to hunt for their own food all the time and didn't have it in a bowl twice a day, they, pro they probably wouldn't wag their tails as much, right? Yeah, they might have other things to worry about. What we see with wolves is that dogs primarily, or sorry, other wolves primarily wag their tails when they're trying to show a different wolf that they're submissive. So it's the sign of you're the more dominant animal. I'm showing you that I recognize that. Whereas dogs wag their tails in tons of different situations. There you go. So domestication did affect it probably pretty heavily. Tail wagging, of course, is sort of rhythmic, right? Some studies have found that rhythms trigger brain activity that helps make people feel joyful. How do you feel about it? How did you, what happened when you discovered that? Yeah, well, our group has studied, you know, through the many people in our group, we have studied 
how humans perceive and respond to rhythm. And yeah, basically what we found is that people like rhythmic things. And you notice this even, you know, if you're dancing in a crowd at a concert, um, when the music is more rhythmic, that sort of triggers all these things in your brain that lead to good feelings. And so one of our theories that we put forward in this paper is that perhaps something about the rhythmic nature of dog tail wagging actually led earlier humans to latch onto it and try and encourage that more as the domestication process continued. So where do we go with research on dogs in this regard? How much more is there to be unearthed? I think there's a ton of more work to do. What we're really hoping is that our colleagues and fellow researchers will start to think about tail wagging as a behavior that has multiple different components. So right now when it's included in studies, sometimes it's as simple as just saying, did a dog wag its tail or not? Whereas what we're hoping researchers, including ourselves, will do in the future is really pay attention to this behavior and look at things like how fast is it wagging? Which side of the dog's body is the tail wagging to? Things like that. Any, real quickly, is there, is there anything else that really has your curiosity going about, about dogs and its relationship to humans? Maybe the most fun thing that I learned throughout reading this and that everyone at home, yourself included, can look for in their dogs is which side of the body they're wagging their tail towards. So you might think a dog's tail is just going left, right, left, right. But actually, they usually wag more to one side or the other. And what we read and learned is that if they're wagging more to the right side of their body, it usually means they want to approach something. Whereas if they're wagging more to the left side of their body, you know, that's what we see when they see a dominant or aggressive wow. other dog. That would so be you cool can look to find for this. out. Yeah, you can. I was yep. looking even in the videos you were playing. You yeah. know, there were some really right great. waggers and left waggers. Uh, well, you know what? Good for you, Taylor Hirsch, for uh, opening this whole thing up to all, all these people that are dog lovers. From the Marine Mammal Institute of Oregon State University. And we thank you for joining us here tonight. You've got three extra hours before we, you have to go to bed compared to us. So good luck to you. Yes. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Thanks, Taylor. Good luck. Wow. Amazing, right? We do different things here on I Would Use Extra Time. And continuing, fake images of Taylor Swift raising some alarm tonight. Humans may no longer be able to spot deep fakes, but one company says it can. Elon Musk's social media platform called X, the former Twitter, blocked some searchers for Taylor Swift as pornographic deep fake images of the singer have circulated online. Sexually explicit and abusive fake images of Swift began circulating wildly last week on X, making her the most famous victim of a scourge that tech platforms and anti-abuse groups have struggled to try to fix. The White House now calling the circulation of these sexually explicit images that are generated by AI alarming. So while social media companies make their own independent decisions about content management, uh, we believe they have an important role to play in enforcing, enforcing their own rules to prevent the spread of misinformation and non-consensual intimate imagery of real people. Sadly, sadly though, too often, uh, we know that lax enforcement disproportionately impacts women and they also impact girls, sadly, uh, who are the overwhelming targets, the overwhelming targets of online har harassment and also abuse. It's just infuriating. Researchers say the number of explicit deep fakes have grown in the past few years as the technology used to produce such images have become more accessible and easier to use. Joining us now with more is Ben Coleman, co-founder and CEO of the deep fake detecting group called 
Reality Defender. And Ben, thank you for joining us. Thank you. All right, let me just say, as a dad of three, this infuriates me. I assume it infuriates most people, but not everyone, clearly. I'm a father of two myself. I think for our kids and our parents, what makes this particularly dangerous is how the tools are available to anybody. It's just a Google search away. And we really look to our government and our regulators to require platforms to protect us because fundamentally, to the untrained eye, even of an expert in our team, you just can't tell the difference. Right, and I remember the, we were talking about this earlier today when we, when we booked you for this interview, and we talked about how the, you know long ago you see Photoshop and you sort of tell that it's, it's a fake, but they got better and they got better. And now with AI, it's not better. It, it, you can't tell the difference, right? You can't tell the difference. Experts can't tell the difference at all. We, we really look for a software solution like Reality Defender, but it's on the platforms themselves protect consumers because consumers don't have a chance. Taylor Swift is fighting back against this and you know, good for her. I think she's respected for it, um, but she's not alone by a long shot. Absolutely not. We saw students in New Jersey using off the shelf tools on their iPhones to make fake nude photos of their classmates. Oh. We saw our president just two weeks ago supposedly call almost everybody in New Hampshire. And so what's really dangerous is that these only get popular because they've gone viral. And once they go viral, it's just too late. We need a solution to solve them at the source, which is what we're focused on. So what, what is the solution, if you have one? The solution, yeah, the solution is to require the platforms themselves to scan for AI-generated content in real time upon upload, and not to wait until it's been shared and reshared a million times on X. The goal is just like most traditional computer virus software, this is just the next generation of a virus about media. Yeah. Well, listen, we all, we all look at AI with you know, mixed feelings, a lot of people, and there's got some incredible things that it can do. But as we see, it can do some really bad things too, as we've seen with, with Swift and every, every, a lot of other people. But the ease of using this is kind of troubling too. What makes it particularly scary is that we saw you know, a single piece of media on Taylor Swift or on President Biden. What we're gonna see over the next 12 months is customized media on all of us from people we know or two people we know that is gonna look like our parents, our kids. And that's when it's gonna get really scary. We've heard about these AI-generated ransom phone calls. Supposedly a loved one got in a car accident and needs you to wire money. Are you gonna take a chance and not wire the money? The tools are available. The solution, Reality Defender, is available as well. But we need the platforms to take the first step to scan media for this very dangerous AI. Okay, so if you give us some tips, if you can, uh, how hard is it to find out whether this is fake or not for the average person? Average person or expert. The technology has gotten so advanced that you cannot tell the difference. It requires an absolute software solution to solve a software problem. Okay, so how does your agency? Uh, make it work? How does Real, uh, Reality Defender actually work? How do you do it? So we work with platforms, whether it's social media or streaming. We also work with banks to scan real-time communications for indicators of AI. If we detect AI, our client gets a notification in real-time, and they know that this video of you or of me or this phone call may be fraudulent. Well, so, but, you know, it, it, the problem is here is that we don't know. The average person doesn't know enough to know whether they're going to get they're getting ripped off here or whether there's something something there that's you know quite profoundly bad absolutely i mean really the only thing that we can do is try and pick which platforms we actually look at whether it's this news channel or others to understand what types of guidelines and processes they're following to check media before they share it will there, but on the internet yeah 
Good. It's a wild west. Will there be, really quickly, will there be something someday where we can all have that and say fake, not fake? Reality Defender does that today. Got it. We can offer that solution today to platforms and to organizations. Okay. Ben Coleman, co-founder and CEO of Reality Defender. Thank you for joining us. And thank you for watching Eyewitness News Extra Time. Thanks for joining us. I'm Bill Ritter. We're back live on Eyewitness News at 11 o'clock tonight, Channel 7. We'll see you then.